Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I want us to look at a prayer that Jesus prayed. Well, sometimes we take the attitude that any written prayer doesn't have much value. Well, I want you to I want you to see a prayer that's written that John evidently listened to and remembered. And after the Lord was returned to heaven, the Holy Spirit gave him the ability to recall it and record it. An entire chapter. We normally call this Jesus' intercessory prayer. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I I am going to call your attention to several verses in it or statements that Jesus actually makes in this prayer. It's the longest recorded prayer that we have in the Bible that Jesus made, although we know he prayed longer than this. We know that he prayed uh, for hours and hours. But this particular prayer takes place just before his trial, shortly before it. And it's packed full of a lot of things that are important, and we can't possibly deal with them all tonight. How far we get and just how this will end up, we'll leave that to the Lord's discretion to give us what he would have for us in in his own prayer. Before we do, let's, uh, let's look to the Lord ourselves and pray to him before we look at what he had to say to his own father. Lord God, as we consider what you prayed, may it inspire us and fill us, teach us, and cause us to be closer to you and to each other. May the warmth of it be very real to us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Look at the first verse. The first phrase simply is these words spake Jesus, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Then we begin his prayer. This is what he said. He said, Father, the hours come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. If you allow yourself, you can feel as if you were sitting there listening to the Lord pray. And you are eavesdropping on a private prayer. He's talking to his own father and acknowledges to his father that now then that hour that they had planned long, long ago had finally come about 
And he's asking God to do something now. And in this hour, Father, I want you to glorify your Son. But for what purpose? That the Son would glorify the Father. If we had that kind of attitude, that everything about us is designed and intended to bring glory to the Father, we'd be on the right track without any question. Unfortunately, through our frailties and weaknesses lack of good faith, maybe other things, we can't come to as great a degree, a degree to that point as Jesus came, but it surely ought to be our aim that everything about us, even our death, ought to glorify God. If you die and there isn't something good coming out of your death, there's going to be a lack. When I die, I think right now what I want to do is pray this same prayer that Jesus prayed and say, Father, make my death something that will glorify your name. I have seen that happen in the lives of lots of people. They accomplished more by dying than they did by living. Because it brought everybody's attention to really what they had achieved, what they had done, the kind of person they had been. That ought to be the ultimate aim of our lives. Now, I want you to go over with me to verse 4. Well, I can't, I can't pass up verse 3. I just can't do it. Look at verse 3. This is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they, the followers of Christ, might know thee, which is the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Who has eternal life? The person who knows and receives the Father and the Son. All right, verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Very similarly, Paul made a statement that I have finished the course. And henceforth, or as a consequence, there is laid up for me, Paul said, a crown of righteousness. He said, I am done now. I have finished what you have sent me to do. Verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify me with thine own, uh, 
with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Remember that Jesus gave up his position of glory to come down to earth and take upon himself the form of man. And now Jesus is saying, Father, return to me the glory that I have with you even before there was a word. Verse 6. I have manifested, that means made known or revealed, I have made known thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. The disciples, or apostles, I should say. I have made known your name to these men, which you gave me. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. They belong to you, you gave them to me. And here is a dynamic conclusion of that verse. And they have kept thy word. Jesus has spent three years with them. He has taught them and preached to them and revealed things to them through miracles and parables and all kinds of ways. And now he is at the point that he's going to have to sever himself from them. And in his own mind and heart, he knows now that they are ready to carry on the work that he has assigned them to do. They have kept the word. You gave them to me. I trained them. Now they're ready. Tremendous statement. Verse 7, they have known that all things whatsoever that whatsoever thou hast given to me are of thee. Here's a verse, one of the verses I want you to notice. I've got several of them. For I pray, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I have given them the words that you gave me. And they believe. Verse 9 is where we start the message. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Jesus prayed for his apostles. This was the focus of his prayer. At this point in time, he is not praying for anybody else, not the whole world, anybody. God Father, I pray for these men. I pray for them. What would it be like to have Jesus pray for you? 
Have you prayed for anybody today? How many have prayed for somebody today? Several of them. How many were prayed for today? Do you know if you were prayed for today? Anybody know? You don't know that, do you? But you were prayed for. I think I was prayed for. Matter of fact, I know I was. I heard it right here in the congregation. Did Jesus pray today? For you? He certainly prayed for his apostles. Look at verse 11. Now I am no more in the world. He's getting ready to leave. But these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. There is no room for division amongst Christian people. We are all God's children intended to be together as one because Jesus himself has prayed for us for that very purpose. Move on to verse 14. I have given them thy word. He's already stated that once, and now he restates it. And the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Why does the world hate Christian people? Here's the answer. We don't belong here. We're out of place. This world is not our home, we sing. We're just passing through. We don't belong here. In this world as it is. This world is dominated by Satan. But we are to live here in this world for we have a mission to perform. And to perform our mission is going to put us in a position of being despised. Millions of people have died because of their not belonging to this world. And if you really think of it properly, as Jesus would have thought of it, there ought to be a yearning and a desire for us to get out of this world. To get where we belong. But we're so tied up and attached to and a part of people and things about us that if we find ourselves in difficulty when we think of leaving here, we somehow want to hold on to it. Isn't it rather foolish to hold on to imperfection when we can have perfection, but we do it. Because
because our, this, this is not where we belong, and because we're here, we're going to be hated by the people around us. He prays again in verse 15, but notice what his prayer is this time. I pray that thou, I pray not, pardon, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. That's not what his prayer is. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Or you can very properly translate the evil one or Satan. What is Jesus praying about his believers? He's not saying, Lord, take them out of the world. Don't ask them to go through all the things that this world has. I don't pray that. I simply pray that you will keep them safe from the devil. Listen, if you are saved, Jesus is praying continually that the devil will not get a hold of you. Verse 20. Now, you and I are in this verse. The apostles were in the verses before. But in verse 20 he says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that is, through the word of the apostles. I pray for those who are yet to believe. That's who Jesus prays for. And that's me, that's you. The Lord Jesus is on the right hand of the Father this very night, making intercession for us. Praying for you. Being concerned about your life and mine. Always holding us up to the Father in prayer. Someone depicted Jesus as sitting by the Father. But as soon as there was trouble in the life of one of his children on earth, he's on his feet looking down. Never content to sit because his job was done. He had finished his work. And he could have taken the attitude, Father, I did everything you asked me to do. I died on the cross. And now it's up to them. If they want to be saved, fine. If they don't, I can't help it. He didn't take that attitude. But he continues to pray for us. And you can believe that when you're in trouble, Jesus is on his feet. Concerned and anxious about helping. He prays for us. What does he pray? Verse 21 makes it so clear. I pray that they may be one, even uh, one, I pray that they may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, they also may be one in us. Now here again comes the prayer for oneness. 
He is saying, I am praying for my followers to be one with us as you and I are one, that they become one as well. It certainly is the goal that Jesus has for the church, for you and me as a believer, to be absorbed in and be a part of God himself. To the point that when somebody sees you or me, they ought not see you or me. They ought to see Jesus Christ. There ought be no question as the world looks at us as to whether they ought to hate us or love us. They ought to hate us because we reflect Jesus Christ. We proclaim Him. We uphold Him. Our object in life, our pattern of living, our mode, our conversation, our walk is also absorbed in the will of God that it would be difficult to find anything about us that could be contrary to God's will. This was the problem that they had with Daniel when they wanted to put him to death and they finally concluded there is no way we're going to do it unless we can find some fault with him in his religion. And so they tried to figure that out, and the only thing they could do was to have an ordinance passed that forbade anybody to pray for a period of time to their God. Daniel right ahead opened his window and that faced Jerusalem and prayed right on. What would our attitude be if we were asked to stop praying, stop going to church, stop reading our Bible? Would we do it? There are millions of people in Russia who refuse to stop this. Now, today, they have the freedom of owning Bibles. They don't have any to own. And many groups are getting together Bibles written in Russian to send over there in order that they, for many of them, for the first time in their life, have a Bible to read God's Word for themselves. They were willing to meet and face the penalty of imprisonment and death because they were not of this world and they knew that Jesus above was praying for them. And many of them gave their life as a consequence for their faith. They were one in Him. The problem that we have in the United States today is that we are not one in God. We are factions dividing off from each other completely.
continually because we can't get along with each other. And that's nothing wrong with having uh, different denominations as long as we can understand and accept the fact that that which makes a person saved is not the name of the church that he belongs to, the physical organization, but whether or not he is one with God. And if he's one with God, then he has to be one with us. Because the house of God is not divided. Verse 22. He says, The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That, what, for what purpose? That they may be one, even as we are one. Now in verse 21, he talks about them becoming one with, with the Father and one with the Son. Here he's talking about his believers as just simply being one amongst themselves. It is important for us to understand that to be one with God means we've got to be one with each other. There is no place for division. There's place for separation of different groups here, there, and yon. But all who believe and adhere to the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are one with God. Therefore, would be one with us. I intended just to make a few introductory remarks on this, and then I was going to get into sermon. But I'm going to let that be the sermon. I still got the sermon yet to go. There's not enough time to do that. Five minutes. But let's 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 consider now. What did Jesus really pray? Remember, he is ready to leave. His hour has come. And he's going to leave behind 11 men who have claimed that they believe in him. He has instructed them praying for them with all his heart. Jesus said to Peter, after he made his statement, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say to you, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the first time the word church is used in the New Testament. Build my church. Upon what did he build it? A declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. Certainly not upon Peter himself. A 
We, the churches in Danville and Madison and Charleston and New York City and Hong Kong and Tokyo who claim the name of Jesus Christ are all one. All one body we, song. One faith, one in hope, one in love. Different in building designs, different in modes of worship. So let me fall out of your seat if I stood up here with a robe on. I never wore a robe at one time in my life, and that was when I was preaching in the Presbyterian church one time. We're different those ways. But we're one in Jesus Christ. And it's important and imperative that we love our brothers who see things different than we do. They're God's children. They must love us and we must love them. Where we can praise God together. We may not believe it, but there are Catholics who are saved people. I have difficulty believing it sometimes, but there are Pentecostals who are saved people. There are plenty of Methodists who are saved people. Plenty of them in the Church of Christ, Christian Church, all the 50 or so Baptist groups across our country. We're all one in Jesus Christ. Because all of our sins were washed away under the same cross. We had only one Christ to die upon. And it is for this whole body that Jesus died. It's for this whole body that Jesus prayed. Because of him, we're all saved. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.